Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of Laces Out. On today's episode, Leonard Fournette clears waivers. Alvin Kamara once traded, apparently. And we've got Cleveland Browns writer from Cleveland.com, Dan Lobby, joining us today, who will be with us momentarily. Jared Bailey, Kurt Hamas are with you as always. Kurt, it's good to see you, bud. Good to see you, my friend. We are back uh, another week here. I told you we were going to get a little more consistent now that we're getting down to it. We're almost at kickoff here, uh, I believe, nine days away. So. We are getting there, and like you said, there's a lot of a lot of news flying around, a lot of a lot of fun rumors going around. So uh, we will definitely dive into that. But first half of the show is going to be all Cleveland Browns here with us because they are a very exciting team to look forward to this year. So Dan, how are you today? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing great, doing great. We really appreciate you coming on here because you know Jared's a Big Steelers fan over there, so I'm sure he's got some some good words for you today. So, um, no, I'm, I'm I'm interested to talk about these Browns because you know we we had the this time last year. I had a lot of people telling me that the Browns were going to win the Super Bowl, and uh, we saw how that ended up. So, I don't know. We can just we can dive right into it here. I really want to start here with what is going on in Cleveland? What are they drinking? Because it seems like every day I'm getting a new injury update from the Cleveland Browns. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing to their players there, but what are you, what are you hearing from these guys? Cause, cause we got Mac Wilson, who's, who's dealing with an injury. I think it's four to six weeks. Uh, Grant Delpit's out for the year. Greedy Williams, Miles Garrett was in a cast today. I, what are you hearing there, Dan? What's going on? You know, it's, it's been frustrating because really the, the thing is, these have been sort of freak injuries. It, there haven't been a lot of like hamstring injuries or, or soft tissue injuries like you'd expect in this weird camp. You know, you have Mac Wilson, who one day hits Nick Chubb a little bit high, puts him in the concussion protocol, and then the next day hyperextends his knee, so he's out. They get a cornerback who gets landed on by a tight end, and he's got a lacerated liver. I, I don't know the last time I've, I've ever heard of a lacerated liver. Actually, Bill's fans, uh, a guy the Browns used to have, Jordan Poyer, he, he got a lacerated yes, kidney sir. a few years ago when he was playing for the Browns. But um, and I've never heard of a lacerated liver on a football field. Uh, that was Kevin Johnson. Um, you know, Greedy Williams has the shoulder injury. He's day today. You know, the good news with Mac Wilson is he should be back in four to six weeks. He doesn't need surgery, but they, they just can't really keep guys on the field right now. And hopefully with Miles Garrett, everything is just precautionary and he'll be ready to go because he's really the important piece on this defense of, of all the guys they've lost. And certainly Grant Delpit, you know, that was a freak injury too, before they even started like team periods in practice. But uh, Miles Garrett is the guy that's going to make this defense go. So, so they need to have him out there. Well, if you had lacerated liver on your bingo card of phrases, you'd hear this episode. You just hit the <laughs> jackpot. Um, and sticking with Grant Delpit, this is a guy who they had high hopes for, probably going to be starting in that safety slot. He's gone for the year. What's next for Cleveland at that safety slot uh, after his injury? Well, they're still trying to figure that out. And I think the thing about Delpit is, is he was going to unlock a lot of versatility in Joe Woods' defense. They brought him in from San Francisco, uh, Joe Woods, and, and he was going to really use Delpit in a lot of different ways. He was going to line up at safety. He would have lined up, you know, as the nickel. He would have lined up in dime. They would have put him everywhere. And now they kind of have to scramble to find a guy that can do that. I, I think maybe a draft pick from last year, Sheldrick Redwine, Redwine out of uh, Miami. He's got the athleticism to play that, but we didn't see him much last year. So we don't really know what he is. He might get an opportunity, but uh, Delpit was really going to unlock a lot of things. So it really hurts to lose him. It, that, that it doesn't. I, I mean, I think, I think the Mac Wilson, I, I know you said he's, he's out around four to six weeks, which is great for the Browns. You know, he's not going to miss the season, but the linebacker room, 
I, I think that might be the weakest spot of that defense. The, the linebackers, the, they got some good players there, but Mac Wilson was really coming along as, as that guy to be, you know, the, the quarterback of the defense in that linebacker spot there. So I think that that's going to hurt them uh, just a bit. But I don't know. Do you agree with me? You think you think the linebackers are probably the, you know, the weakest. I hate using that word because, you know, these guys are NFL players, but the, the weakest part of that team. It's definitely the most concerning part. And it's one area they didn't really address in the offseason. They drafted Jacob Phillips in the third round out of LSU. But other than that, you know, they, they signed a guy like B.J. Goodson, who's sort of been a journeyman. I don't even know how many of your listeners out there have heard of him, to be honest. He's probably <laughs> going to be starting in the middle of that defense. It's definitely the, the most nerve-wracking part of the defense. You don't know what it's going to be. Now, the hope is you know, maybe they don't really are, maybe they're not really going to rely on linebackers. This is an analytics heavy front office. And I think the linebacker position is a little more disposable uh, when you kind of frame it like that. But I still think it's a really important position. And it's definitely the biggest question mark on this D. Yeah, that's the, you know, they lost Joe Schobert free agency to Jacksonville. He was a big part of that defense. So now with Mag Wilson being hurt, they're going to be kind of scrambling on that defense on multiple facets. So uh, we'll shift to the offense now. Obviously, Baker Mayfield had um, took a step back last year in that Freddie Kitchens led offense, which is a year that Browns fans are going to want to tuck in the back of their mind and not bring up, as have most years in the past twenty years been mm-hmm. quite similar to that. But um, we, you know, they bring in all this firepower last year. They bring in Odell Beckham to match with Jarvis Landry this offseason. They bring in Austin Hooper to put up with David Njoku at tight end. Um, if Baker Mayfield un- underperforms and the Browns miss the playoffs once again, is this kind of the make or break year for Baker Mayfield, or do you think that they would give him one more shot? I, I would never rule anything out with a former number one pick, but it is important to remember that this GM didn't draft Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Now, now, he was around when Baker Mayfield got drafted. He was still with the Browns, and then he left for Philadelphia for a year and then came back to take the GM job. But he wasn't the guy who drafted Baker Mayfield they're doing everything they can to build this thing around him. They bring in this coach who runs the zone blocking scheme, loves tight ends, loves as a pullback, bigger personnel. Baker Mayfield has always been better, at least in his short NFL career, when you have bigger personnel on the field, more tight ends, more running backs. So they have a lot of weapons in that department. They're going to rely on play action. You know, if you look at the numbers from last year, it's night and day with Baker Mayfield throwing with play action and throwing without play action. So everything is built uh, around the strengths we've seen from him in his short career. So if he's unable to take advantage of that, it's definitely cause for concern. I don't know that they would give up on him. I think it would have to be absolutely disastrous for them to do that. But he's coming up on, you know, you're eligible for an extension after your third year. They've got to make a decision on the fifth-year option after this season. There's a lot of things they have to decide with Baker Mayfield. And if he doesn't check some boxes, it's going to make those decisions harder. Yeah. And I mean, they, like you said, they have the new coach coming in this year, uh, Stefanski. And I think he's a good fit for them. I think, uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens is Freddie Kitchens. He had, he had his, his troubles uh, with the Browns last year. Everybody kind of saw it firsthand, but um, I like what they did in this offseason. I, I really do. I like what they did on that offensive line, which, I think was huge because Baker really was just, he was running for his life. He was getting put on his back all the time. They draft Dredrick Wills, who I loved coming out of the draft. They bring in Jack Conklin, who I thought was maybe one of the best signings of that offseason to, to solidify that right side. And, you know, they, they got some solid pieces on that offensive line. And I think that might be huge for that offense because Baker, you know, he, he took a step back last year and I think it was mainly because he didn't really have too much time. He was always kind of, it seemed like panicky a little bit. And this is huge now. And he, he's got he's got his weapons. He's got the a great running back duel behind him. I, I like this team. I like this offense a lot. It, it just depends on, you know, what Stefanski can put together here. And um, I, I, I kind of want to get, wanna get <clears throat> excuse me, your take on uh, what Stefanski's kind of brought, the culture that he's built with this team so far. You know, he's really been unflappable throughout all this and uh, when you're a head coach in Cleveland you have to be because things are just things are just always weird with the Browns there's always something going on Uh, the organization is never very stable and you've got to be a head coach that can come in and just be able to run the show and I think one of the things that really impressed me with with Stefanski is you know this team has hired offensive-minded head coaches before former coordinators former play callers and they all come in and say the same thing 
you know, when it comes to calling plays, I'll do what's, what's best for the team. And usually what that means is I'm going to call the plays and I'm not going to give it up. So <laughs> Kitchens and Hugh Jackson. And I honestly believe, look, this could end up with Kevin Stefanski calling the plays, but I really believe he's open to Alex Van Pelt handling it, handling this because I think he sees himself as kind of that CEO coach, the guy that needs to oversee everything, make sure all the trains are running on time, everything's going the way it's supposed to go behind the scenes, especially in this really weird season with, with COVID and, uh, of course, dealing with, with all the social issues that the teams are taking on. It seems like he's built for this. Now, that's easy to say in August and September. It's harder to say, you know, maybe after you lose two or three games in a row, we'll kind of see how he responds to that. But so far, his personality really seems to fit with what this team's need, team needs, especially after last offseason when it was just all bravado all the time, and then they come out and go 6-10. and 10. So speaking of this weird camp, um, has anybody popped out in terms of maybe young guys, rookies, has anybody kind of popped out in your eyes in this, uh, this training camp period? You know, the guy that has really stood out, and, and it probably makes sense because this is a, a really tight end oriented offense, is Harrison Bryant. Uh, they drafted him out of FAU. He was their first pick on the third day of the draft, a fourth rounder. Uh, and, and he's a guy that really produced in college. He was the first group of five guy to win the Mackey Award, uh, the best tight end in college football. And he looked really good. And, and to see a lower round pick like that, a, a day three pick, come out in camp and play really well, especially because, you know, look, after Austin Hooper, David Njoku is kind of up and down. He's a little bit of a question mark. He hasn't reached that potential that they thought he would have when they made him a first round pick a few years ago. So uh, there's going to be an opportunity for Harrison Bryant. If Njoku starts dropping passes, maybe isn't blocking like he needs to block. Harrison Bryant had a really good camp. He's the rookie that really stood out to me. I didn't, didn't he just, they gave him the award for best Browns player in camp or something. And so, I mean, that speaks to it a little bit because we see tight ends come into this league and they, you know, they struggle a little bit the first few years and they can't seem to get it going right away. So they, they could have definitely found a diamond in the rough there because, you know, that, that's kind of a packed offense. Uh, there's a lot of miles to feed there. So it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he can contribute to that team if he's just, you know, strictly a run blocker or, or what, it, what it might be. But um, you mentioned David Njoku, and I kind of want to talk about him because – you know, in the beginning of this offseason or middle of this offseason, we had all the talks that he requested a trade. And uh, then, you know, he, he said, I'm here to stay. I want to work. I, I, wanna, I want this to work out with this team. I, I, I can't imagine, you know, it's, it's got to be a little maybe awkward to, you know, say I want out of this team and then you come right back and now you're, you're working with these guys again. Like, has anything, you know, been different? Has, has he said anything, anything kind of stand out from – when he said that to, to write about now? Well, well, I know when he talked to us a few weeks ago, he didn't really want to get into the trade request much mm -hmm. at all. Uh, and he <laughs> kind of kept saying, like, he's here for now. And somebody finally asked him about that, and he gave a really weird answer mm -hmm. that I guess he was kind of trying to put that to bed, but yeah. it, it didn't really uh, – you know, it was strange that he wanted out because I think if John Dorsey were still the GM of this team, he, he would have been out before he asked out. But instead, they, you know, they fired John Dorsey – they bring Andrew Barry back, who was part of the front office that traded up to get him. They pick up his fifth-year option. Everything pointed to them having full faith in David Njoku. And then July 3rd comes along, and he requests a trade. So, you know, whatever they said to him, and again, this is one of those things where you, where you check a box for Kevin Stefanski and this really young coaching staff in front office. You know, they got through that, at least for now. Whatever they said to him – it worked and it made him want to stick around and, and see what he could do here. And, and he saw this as his best opportunity, which I think it always was because you know, I, I keep saying it, this is going to be an offense that features tight ends. And when you mention all those mouths to feed, you go down the list of who defenses are going to focus on. There's going to be some opportunities for a guy like David Njoku because teams are going to be looking at Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt. You, you can't cover everybody. So if David Njoku can take advantage of that. He could put up some numbers. Well, we'll see where David Njoku ends up because, you know, sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you don't say in certain situations like that. So uh, we'll see if he's going to be in Cleveland within the next calendar year. Let's focus our shift more towards the AFC North as a whole because this is a division that has the argument for being the best in football. Um, obviously, we know the year that Baltimore had last year, um, Lamar Jackson, uh, his just incredible year. Um, Pittsburgh's going to be better uh, with that defense coming back. Ben Roethlisberger healthy. People raving about uh, Chase Claypool and whatnot in, in camp there. 
And then we'll see what happens with Joe Burrow, that trio of receivers in Cincinnati. Uh, where does Cleveland kind of fall for you right now in terms of the pecking order in the AFC North? Because obviously this is a stacked division um, with a lot of young talent um, spread out. And then in Pittsburgh, it's kind of more of, you know, the, the, the Wiley vets. So where does Cleveland seem to fall in the picture for you? I still think I've, I've got to start them off third in the division. I think Baltimore, even if there's regression, they're going to be a really good football team. And, and they've got the advantage of, you know, bringing back essentially what they had last year, their stability there. And the teams with stability are, are going to be an, adva- an advantage, especially early. And with Pittsburgh, if Ben Roethlisberger is anything close to what he was two years ago, combined with that defense, it, it's really hard to see them not having a good year. And I just think for the Browns, I guess I'm one of those people in the boat of I, I fell for it last year. I thought maybe they'd go 10 and six. I was a little ambitious, I'll admit, but I did pick them to go 10 and six and at least make the playoffs. So maybe I'm still feeling a little burnt by that, but I just think they've got to show me before I can put them ahead of Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And as far as Cincinnati's concerned, I love the weapons they have. I don't know if they can protect Joe Burrow, uh, but I love those <laughs> offensive weapons that he has to work with, but I don't think it's going to be enough uh, to really put, to bring them out of the basement of the AFC North. But, so right. I've got, I've got the Browns at third, but look, I, nothing would surprise me with this football team. I think the ceiling is, is high if everything kind of hits. Yeah, I mean, nothing – I don't think anything would surprise me in 2020. I think you could probably tell me <laughs> the Browns would maybe go undefeated, and I might believe you because who knows with 2020. But, um, no, I think, I think, you know, you got a, you got a pretty spot on. I, I think you got to slot them in at, at number three because – just because that, that Pittsburgh defense, you see what they did last year with – two quarterbacks who just you know, Jared we've talked about it before we won't get into that quite right now but quack quack <laughs> the duck the duck Hodges but I don't know I Cleveland came close last year they did obviously they didn't live up, live up to the hype but they had a few games where it was within one possession where it was it could have been another two three wins but they also and that's had- where and that's where Kurt I think that's where they that's where they're at their worst I mean the Sunday night game against the Rams is a game that they should have had in the bag Yep. Uh, the game against Denver when they were playing. Who in God's name was Denver's quarterback that Allen. week? Because Kyle Allen. Yep. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Kyle Allen was uh, – Not Kyle uh, Allen. Uh, it, no, was, it was uh, Allen. What was it? Brand- was, was Brandon, Brandon Allen. Not Brandon Allen. Allen. Yes, that's yes, yes. It was Brandon yeah. Allen in Denver, who they should have beat in mile high. I think that was his first career start, if I'm not wrong. So. <laughs> and they don't take advantage of that. So, right there, that's two games that puts them at 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, if they're able to go into Pittsburgh and get a win over the duck-led Steelers, mm-hmm. who, you know, they should have probably beat twice that year, that's 9-7. and seven. Um, It was just such an inconsistent year where, um, I mean, it started really off from week one where they got humiliated by Tennessee. Baker Mayfield was sacked a bunch of times, threw a bunch of interceptions, and it just kind of went up and down from there. So um, I think with Stefanski, that brings a whole new level of stability. And when it comes to running the ball, we know that Stefanski is the guy who wanted to push running the ball more in Minnesota. He was high, promoted to OC because he was the one who wanted to run the ball more with Dalvin Cook, with those running backs, instead of it being more of a focal point on the passing game and Kirk Cousins. So I think we're going to see something incredibly similar there. Case Keenum's there as his backup, a guy who's familiar with Stefanski in that system in case anything does go wrong. Um, but I think that you know, Dan, I have them at 10 and 6 this year. I have them as that last wild card spot. So I'm going to buy into the hype and hope I don't look dumb for the second straight year because mm-hmm. I did it too. So, you know, it's, there's so much that could happen this year um, in terms of the AFC North. But I think that this, for the hope, for the hope of Browns fans, because even as a Steeler fan, it's kind of hard to hate Cleveland anymore because of just everything that they've dealt with. So, I mean, for the hope of Browns fans, at least a wild card spot, I think that's definitely doable. Um, especially when you look at, you know, the Chargers have lost Derwin James for the year. That's going to be a big knock to them. They're a team that I have, you know, in the running for a wild card spot. Um, so this is an AFC, especially with an additional wild card spot that they can find themselves sitting at six or seven. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I got I got a feel for Browns fans real quick here because, in, you know, we're, Jared, we always talk about it. Bills fans and Browns fans are very similar, and I feel for you. I, I, I want it for you because it seems like my Bills are on the up and up except for – last last year week 10 just don't get me started with it but anyway Steven Hauschka is cut so he can't be missing any field goals to lose games for us but anyway I think the Browns obviously the fans deserve it they really they really do because they give their team parades when they finish 0-16 instead of you know burning down the city and calling for the team's <laughs> head so I feel for you, Browns fans. Just know that I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you, except for when you play the Bills, especially if it's in the playoffs. So I'll leave it at that. 
I mean, how great would a, a Bills-Browns playoff game be? Exactly. Or, of course, it would happen in a year when, like, you couldn't have fans right. there or something. Yeah, yeah. well, maybe, maybe by January. We, we might no, be- yeah, let, let's be hopeful. You know, hopefully by January. Yeah. You know, okay, so with that, I'm a big wrestling nerd, and I loved the Hardy Boys growing up. And so they came back at WrestleMania a few years ago, and Michael Cole, the announcer, just screams at the top of his lungs that things are about to be broken. I feel like that's what would happen in a Bills-Browns tailgate <laughs> session where fans would just be going bonkers, tables would be broken left and right. It would be just a thing of beauty well, that, if, that's Cleveland, just a, if Cleveland and Buffalo were to meet. That's a quick trip, so that's, a, that's about a eh, three-hour drive. That's, that's yeah. real easy. I would make that in a heartbeat. So uh, <laughs> we might see it. We very well could, guys. I mean, I know, I know Bill's Mafia invaded the Muni lot in Cleveland last yes, year. Yes, sir. Breaking <laughs> tables and then doing all that stuff. So, <laughs> Not quite this year, though. So we are hoping uh, – we've seen a few teams announce that the fans, some fans are allowed. A lot of teams are saying, you know, we'll hold off for the first couple weeks here. Did, did the Browns officially announce anything like that so far? They haven't. They submitted a plan, uh, I think it was last week, and they're kind of waiting to see what the governor of, of Ohio has to say about it. I think the Bengals are, are – they've announced they won't have fans for their opener. They're kind of waiting to see. I think their next home game is in October after that. So okay. uh, they're kind of waiting to see from there, but the Browns just don't know yet. All right. We're getting there. Well, we're, we're, we're slowly we're, – we're at least getting kickoff. We're at least having a season right. here, so be thankful for that. Yeah. We keep trucking along. Dan Lobby, we appreciate your time today. Uh, hopefully we'll talk to you as the season progresses, get more Browns talk as the season goes on. We appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. Yep, you too. All right. Cleveland Browns talk. We've been talking about doing it more on this show the past you know, few weeks and whatnot. Dan Lobby, Cleveland.com. Talking all things Cleveland Browns and AFC North. It's going to be – I mean, we talked about it a bunch on this show. I mean, this is, it's going to be interesting to see how Baker Mayfield does. It, it absolutely is because that – you know, that, that quarterback draft class is – it's getting fierce. I mean, you got – you have so many young guys, not even just the quarterbacks, but, you know, you look at it from Baker Mayfield's standpoint. But Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, Jackson, it's just if – the, if the Browns missed out, if – let's just say – well, you can even throw Rosen into there, but I don't think, you know, <laughs> it's Josh Rosen. But, you know, if, if Darnold, Allen, and obviously Jackson, if they all start outperforming ba- Baker Mayfield – that's an ugly look for the Browns. That's a real ugly look because they've been calling for a quarterback for what, 20 years now or something. So it, it might get ugly, but hopefully it won't. Cause I, I still have faith in Baker. And it's not even the fact that, you know, even if they outperform him, I think they just need him to be competent enough to be the starter for, you know, years to come mm-hmm. and finally end this endless carousel of quarterbacks that are just rotated in and out of Cleveland every year. So I, I think personally, I mean, this is going to be the year where I think it's very similar to the situation in Chicago right now with Mitch Trubisky. Um, I think if he doesn't perform well enough, they're going to bring in another guy to maybe, you know, light a fire under his butt. They're going to make it an open competition in camp. Um, they'll probably start off with Baker as a starter in week one, but he's going to be on a short leash. Um, again, this is all, you know, uh, projections if the season doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if, if we see another, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight year where they're, you know, the nine, you know, the ninth best team in the AFC two spots out, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were to go get a veteran guy to bring in and should Baker start to struggle, they, you know, pull the plug and then that effectively ends the Baker Mayfield project in Cleveland. So obviously there's a lot that could happen between now and then, you know, let's wait and see what happens this season. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, It will. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel, I feel for Browns fans. I really do. And I, it's, it's tough. I, I can't imagine, you know, Baker Mayfield has talent. There's no denying that he had talent at Oklahoma. He had talent coming into this league and with the amount of star power and talent around him, it's going to be tough for him to struggle, like really, yeah. really struggle where he loses his, his job. So, um, no, I, I, I have faith in Baker Mayfield and really this season, it, a lot rides on that defense too, because the defense isn't all that great. They have some really good players on that defense, but we, we talked about the injuries and that could be the killer for them. That that could really, really hurt them because if they're letting up 30, 40 points each week, I mean, there's no way an offense can consistently keep that up. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, you look at the defensive line, that's obviously solid with, you know, Miles Garrett leading, you know, that core of guys, but we talked about it. Linebackers week right now, they lost Schobert to free agency in Jacksonville, Mac Wilson going down for at least a month. 
that's going to hurt them. So we'll see how, you know, they, they recuperate there. Secondary-wise, you know, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are a really solid duo. But, you know, the safety situation right now without Grant Delpit is going to be, um, you know, a big question mark, like Dan said. So, um, you know, I have them as a playoff team. Uh, we'll see if they can finally prove me right. Um, but Cleveland deserves that. If Cleveland deserves anything right now, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a playoff appearance for from their Cleveland Browns. So I, I we'll think so. See. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But we've got more news as former Jacksonville Jaguars running back Leonard Fournette has cleared waivers, effectively making him a unrestricted free agent, and he is open to sign with whatever team he pleases. I can't um, believe that. I re- I I know I know he has his injuries, but. You're telling me that a team on that waiver wire that has some no-name scrub running back that maybe is no a name this year scrub running back. that wow. doesn't want to bring in Leonard Fournette. I don't know. I'm, I love Leonard Fournette. I loved him. He, I was a big fan of him at LSU. I loved him coming out. And I was really excited when he was started playing and he was lighting it up with Jacksonville. Jacksonville almost won a Super Bowl, for God's sake. And <laughs> now look at him. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence first overall. So – who knows? No, Car- I mean, Carolina's still going to get Trevor Lawrence first overall. Let's not mince words about I don't that. Know. You're, you're telling me Carolina's worse than Jacksonville right now? Yes, yes, they are worse than Jacksonville. Jacksonville mm-hmm. has the better receiving core. They got better tight ends. They've got a better offensive line. They've got a better defensive line. They've got better. Co- they are better all over the field except quarterback, which I could probably make an argument to you that Gardner Minshew was better last year than Teddy Bridgewater was. I do like Gardner Minshew. I do. So, no, I think that – plus, Carolina plays in a far tougher division than the Jaguars do. I think that – Car- Now, Carolina has a lot to be excited about. This is a good rebuild. Uh, they got – you know, Derek Brown's going to be really good, I think. Etor Grosmatos is going to be really good, I think. Um, but they're counting a lot of, on a lot of young guys in the defense that they're going to develop through playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but tight end-wise, they've got nobody. Uh, offensive line wise, they're bad. It's really Christian McCaffrey or bust right now. I like DJ Moore, um, but in terms of Teddy Bridgewater's style of play, it's a very dip and duck type thing. So they're not going to really be able to move the ball down the field yeah. um, in terms of the long ball. So no, I don't see a lot for Carolina at all. Um, and they play in a division with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Matt Ryan. So that's uh, <laughs> that's going to be that Tough for them. shooting out there. That's yeah, it's not going to be easy for them to really impress too much. But um, I don't know. I mean. We can back to put, back to Fournette. <laughs> yeah, we can we can put some some team names in there that we think maybe will end up with Leonard Fournette. Um, I made a list the other day. Um, I think I did one, see how, that. How funny would it be if you just gave them a middle finger, stayed in the AFC South, and went to Houston? I feel like Houston would Houston? be an okay fit. Well, does Bill O'Brien know that he doesn't have to trade for him? He yeah, might, that's that's also uh, true. Yeah, I don't know, um, but I I could see that the team that I really stood out like as soon as I heard the news that he was getting cut, the team that kind of stood out right to me was Washington because you have the age old wonder of uh, Adrian Peterson there. They had to let go of Darius Geis because he had some problems off the field. Who else are you going to have run the ball? I mean, they have Antonio Gibson, who I really do like. He's, he was a draft pick from them, but Mm. why not bring in Leonard Fournette to have Adrian Peterson there and Antonio Gibson. That's, that's a nice, nice duo there behind, uh, behind Dwayne Haskins. You might have just talked me into that because that's something I didn't even really think about prior to coming on the show. Now, Adrian Peterson, I mean, he's a legend. He's how 35 now? Is that how old he is? I he's, don't even I, he's, he's old. He, he might be rookie, 50. I don't even know. Let's do some quick math in our heads. Rookie in 2007, that puts him approximately 21, 22. That was 13 years ago. Um, I have the answer if you have your final answer. So um, I will say it's 34. Ah, you were right the first time. He's 35. 35? Yeah, okay, yep. so yeah. Uh, they've got a lot of unproven guys on that team. The Darius Guy situation. Um, sad. It'll, it's always, sad. It'll, it'll always blow my mind, the stupidity of guys in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to hell with him pretty much if, you know, all the allegations are true against him. Um, he deserved what he got. So now they're rolling with Adrian Peterson and, like you said, Antonio Gibson as really their, their front runners right now. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think J.D. McKissick's also in that backfield, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they really don't have a proven guy. So, yeah, Washington, I like that a lot. Another team that I said, Chicago. Um, the, Tariq Cohen, I think, is more of a gadget player than a mm-hmm. running back one. Um, I think that behind a solid offensive line, if Mitchell Trubisky had a workhorse running back like Leonard Fournette, if he can stay healthy throughout the duration of a season, I think that would help him immensely to open up the passing game and make him look a lot better as well. I, 
I like that idea because I think I think Chicago does need some more playmakers. I do like their wide receiver room a little bit, but I don't. I just don't love that offense. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you know they they have a good defense. They have some really good players on defense, but it's just it's not going to be anything special unless they get more talent on that team. Right. Um, and that's kind of where my mind was going to with Washington. The other team that I thought of is the new England Patriots, because we know that Bill Belichick loves to bring in guys like that and just have them have a career year and light up the league. And I mean, that, that, that Patriots offense just needs help. They need playmakers on that offense. And, you know, they had, they had the two guys, uh, James White and uh, who am I thinking? Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is the other running back. So, I don't know. I mean, I would think Leonard Fournette's an upgrade over those guys, don't you think? Yeah, I would think that as well. Um, you know, in terms of New England right now, first of all, I'd hate to see it happen, not because I think it would make them a contender because I don't think it would, but Patriots Twitter would <laughs> never shut the hell up about it. We'd have to hear about it until, right. you know, they start losing games. But even if Leonard Fournette does go there, they have a shaky offensive line right now. They've got no other weapons on offense that Cam Newton can really throw to. So I think the game plan would really be, you know, Leonard Fournette carrying it 25 times a game, Cam carrying it 10 or 15 times a game <laughs> and throwing it only when necessary. Right. So, um, you know, I think that the move makes sense. Don't get me wrong. He would be an upgrade over both Michelle and James White, but um, I don't think it would necessarily make them a contender um, in terms of, you know, just adding Leonard Fournette. Um, we keep making our way. Let me think of the teams in my head right now. I wish should have pulled up this list as we uh, – we started the show so that's what about what about this we we i kind of mentioned it before the show started before we started recording and you told me to hold on to my thoughts so um, okay yeah yeah go ahead the steelers uh you know they got james connor i like no. james connor he he's a good player <laughs> but he hasn't quite you know lived up to the way he he was playing when he had his great year mm-hmm. what if uh, leonard fournette joins your steelers there pal so here's the thing you know steelers twitter was you know, blowing that up as soon as it was released that. <laughs> as no they longer. do, as when any player ever hits the market, yes. Subway could fire one of their employees right now <laughs> and Steelers Twitter would say that they should go sign him. So, um, with Leonard Fournette, I was clamoring for them to trade for him a few months ago when he was on the market by Jacksonville. I said, give him Connor, give him a four, a six, call it a day. Obviously, wow, that you would have looked dumb. They're, they didn't, they couldn't even get a sixth for him. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, they couldn't that's why, trade him that's for why anything. You're, that's why we're doing a podcast and we're not in the front office yet. That's correct. So um, I think that if they were to get Leonard Fournette, it would have already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, he is better than James Conner. Uh, I wouldn't mind to see. Um, a few months ago, I would have liked it a lot more compared to now because, yeah. um, you know, you look at the Steelers running back situation right now, James Conner is going to start off as the running back one. But Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland is going to be that the starting yeah, running back by Thanksgiving. Like he, you know, you see, I watched a lot of tape on him from Maryland. His field vision, he's explosive. Uh, he's, he's bringing something to the field that the other guys don't have. Um, he's faster than James Conner is. I think his ball carrier vision is better than James Conner's is, at least from the things that I've seen from him in Maryland. He's got a lot of hype at camp right now um, from all the reports that I'm seeing. Um, and he looked he, good. He was uh, my uh, he was my pre-draft crush for the Bills before we uh, before we got Zach Moss, who I'm very happy with. But no, I, I like uh, I like McFarland a lot. I think he's yeah. I think he could really come in and make it a, a difference right away. Honestly, that's a if James Conner can stay healthy, that's a pretty solid duo in itself there. And the other thing is that they would have to rework some sort of cap to be able to afford to bring him in in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like that's a lot of work that doesn't need done when you've got you know James Conner. Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell's still there. Mm-hmm. Jalen Samuel's there. Wendell Smallwood's there. They're going to have to make a decision on which guys to keep and which guys to let go already in the running back room. Adding a sixth guy to that right now just doesn't seem ideal. Yeah. And uh, so a few months ago, would have loved the move if they were to trade, you know, a six. Apparently, that's what it would have taken to get him. And then maybe move Connor elsewhere, not even to Jacksonville, just maybe get some sort of pick for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked that move a lot more. But right now, I don't see that as too likely just because if if they were to do it, it would have already happened, and that running back room is already quite crowded. <laughs> and uh, we just slowly, con- uh, consistently see the 
Jaguars just cleaning house. Um, real quick before we, we go, we got about five minutes left here. Yannick Ngakwe finally gets moved. This guy has been calling and calling to get traded, and he finally does. And to do so, he gave up $6 million. That's how bad he wanted out of Jacksonville. He gave up $6 million to go to the uh, Minnesota Vikings, who I think might have – I think they're a sleeper for the, one of the best defenses in this league now. With the Neil Hunter, Yannick Ngakwe on that line, they are they're going to be fun to watch because the safety duo there too, the linebackers they have, I like that that defense a lot. Yeah, they definitely got an upgrade there, and uh, you know hopefully that makes up for the losses of Everson Griffin um, as well. So pairing Yannick Ngakwe with the Neil Hunter, that's going to be very very not fun for offensive lines to stop mm -hmm. coming up the middle so um yeah I, I like the move a lot the fact that he took less money just to get out of jacksonville says a lot of how he was feeling there um so um we'll rest, see how that rest in peace to that uh that what what year was that 20 2017 17 that year where they just nearly almost won a super bowl for well 2016 summer. 2016 into 2017 right okay so yeah, yeah that that was wild. I can't like thinking back now, you look at that team, you look at where all those players are now. I mean, yeah, they believed in Blake Bortles for God's sake. How? <laughs> How did and it's crazy. In? It's crazy but, to think that the Tennessee Titans are going to do the exact same thing this year. Ooh, <laughs> bold take hot takes. We love it. We love the hot takes here that um, we do, but uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. That's uh, an awesome show. Thank you to uh, Dan lobby for coming on talking Browns with us. Uh, like we said, hopefully we can get them on maybe in the middle of the year when the Browns are going on a run here. But we have nine days, single digit nine days until NFL kicks off uh, with the Chiefs and the Texans, my friend. That we do. And uh, I think what we should also do right after this, hop on like another 10-minute segment to talk about Alvin Kamara. That's, that's something that we need to include into here. We can um, do that. So, so we'll continue this um, as a part two. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, with the Alvin Kamara talk. But, yes, um, big things coming. We are Steve McNair days away from kickoff, ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen. We are yes, nine we days are. away. That All right. We are. All right. We will be back with uh, part two. Part two. We'll give you a little 10-minute segment on our thoughts on Alvin Kamara. We'll be right back. Laces out. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jared Bailey from Laces Out. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. You don't got to pay anything to use Anchor. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, welcome back to laces out um so we said in the opener we were going to talk about alvin Kamara, uh, the situation brewing in new orleans we're going to do that right now um josina anderson reported about an hour ago that the saints were open to moving Kamara, um and then bleacher report just came out and said that alvin Kamara said that he never asked for a trade i guess that's because that per his agent I believe so. Yeah, I think it was his agent said that, you know, he never requested a trade. So I think it's just, you know, I think it's New Orleans saying, hey, you got a contract extension looming here. You're a running back. We don't know if we want to pay you big money. So uh, I think that's what it is. But I mean, it's, if NF or if ESPN is reporting it, I think, you know, it's got to be pretty legit. It's got to be at least some truth to it. At least, you know, some team has reached out to uh, New Orleans and New Orleans has said, yeah, maybe. I mean, I would think about it. Why not? It's, it's Alvin Kamara. It's a running back. You can, you can replace running backs. That's probably, I would argue that's probably the easiest position to replace in this league. That's the thing. I understand that, but it's hard to replace an Alvin Kamara where the Saints Fair. offense literally runs through him. And, you know, it's weird. This right before the show. This feels extremely similar to the Le'Veon Bell situation in Pittsburgh where he was – what made that offense go in many ways um, in terms of his production and both the receiving and running game. He wanted to be paid a little bit extra because of his contributions in both. He wanted, I think 17 million a year ended up obviously not getting that. I think he signed for, what was it 12 and a half in, mm -hmm. in New York. So, um, and then the Melvin Gordon situation last year as well, um, where 
Oh, did you lose me for a second? Nope, I got you. Okay, cool. Just make sure. So the Melvin Gordon situation last year where he held out to start the season um, and eventually came back. Um, but, I mean, Austin Eckler even told us that, you know, Melvin Gordon's holdout, you know, ruffled a few feathers in terms of the production for the Chargers as well. So um, even if – and somebody tweeted at me like this, you know, didn't both players end up with less money? Yes, but in both situations, both teams were – worse off without the player who you know mm -hmm. held out and didn't show up so I think that Kamara is more vital than Bell or Gordon were to Pittsburgh or the Chargers I think that without him that offense takes a ginormous leap backwards because who who do they have behind Latavius Murray I don't think you know Latavius no Murray Ty Montgomery and Dwayne Washington so they've got a bunch of, you know, Latavius Murray, Ty Montgomery, you know, you know, B minus C plus guys that, you know, by committee, I'm sure they could do okay, but they wouldn't produce what Alvin Kamara did. But we can still play this game where we, you know, try to decide what's going to happen because the Saints can say that they're open to moving him. And, you know, even if Alvin Kamara says, hey, I didn't ask for this, that doesn't mean that the Saints aren't saying, well, we would. Right. So if they do decide to do this, which in all possibilities that could happen, Where's Alvin Kamara going to go? Uh, there's plenty of teams that would love to have Alvin Kamara. I think it's the same, you know, same scenario as Leonard Fournette. Obviously, I'm not saying they're the same player, but what, which teams really, truly need a, a running back? Because a lot of teams, you know, they have their, their number one running back. I, like a, a team that I think of that comes to mind, a team like Miami last year, you know, mm -hmm. they had – I. Kalen Balaj is like their number one running back. Uh, they, they fixed that this year. They bring in Brita and Howard. But I don't know. What's a team that you, you can think of? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. That well, even, even the teams that are solid at running back right now, yeah. I wouldn't put a hesitation on anybody going out and say, you know, Alvin Kamara is at the very least an upgrade yeah. and he can help our offense. I'm not saying it would happen, and I'm praying to Jesus that it doesn't happen. But you're telling me that if Baltimore didn't have the opportunity to go out and try to get Alvin Kamara and add him to that offense with Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, that they wouldn't? I, I would 100% could see it happening. Yeah. Right to God, it doesn't happen. <laughs> but um, I could 100% see you know a team like that going out and getting him. Let's hope that it doesn't end up being Kansas City or Baltimore or any of these teams who have just you know loaded their rosters. But you know teams that really need a back right now that. One, I think you'd want to go to a contender because, you know, yep. he's been there for a while. Um, you know, you run down the list of teams right now in our heads. San Francisco, I mean, if that's a very run-heavy offense. On, lost out on Brito, that's right, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what if what if a team – what if old Tommy boy calls up uh, Tampa Bay's GM and says, hey, man, I'm only here for maybe one, maybe two years – Give me a Super Bowl. Give me this guy. And, I mean, if Kamara goes on that offense, I don't – I think this is just hypothetical. I don't know. I don't think that would actually happen. But We can play hypothetical on the show, how, though. That's how fine. much fun would that be to watch that offense with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard? Free, oh, my gosh. It'd be, that'd be, that would be legendary. That would be a legendary roster. I would almost feel like one of those guys would have to go, and I think it would be one of the tight ends. So I yeah. think that Brate or Howard would be involved in some part of the deal. Um, we'd have to see. I mean, what's their cap situation look like right now? Because we would have to take a gander, one, at what Kamara's wanting, because I assume he's wanting north of what Todd Gurley got. Yep. And now the report's also saying that the Saints are paying close attention to whatever Joe Mixon gets, because that's what they're going to base their foundation of Kamara's extension off Mixon of. Because got paid today, didn't he? Did he? I believe so. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to – hang on. Let me look this up here. Keep talking while I'm looking. Okay. So, <laughs> we would have to see, one, how much cap space Tampa Bay has, and then how much Camaro wants, and then kind of cross-reference who they could trade in and out to make room for him. All right. I, I got it here for you. Uh, Joe Mixon got a four-year, $48 million extension. So, that's $12 million a year for Joe Mixon, which is a – that's a steep deal for for Joe Mixon, who didn't you know have a great year last year, but we've seen him have good years. And well, uh, in terms of in terms of his combined um, what's the production and rushing and receiving game, him and Ezekiel Elliott are the only ones who have produced at the same rate mm -hmm. in terms of advanced stats. So I mean, Joe Mixon is a guy who I think is extremely slept on in the league. 
Uh, I think 12 million is a relatively solid number. I mean, obviously, you know, as the cap rises, that's going to rise as well. But if they're starting at 12 for Alvin Kamara, I think that Kamara's got to be worth at least 15. He's got to he's got to get at least the Gurley deal. I mean, I I'm part of the team that will die on the hill that you don't pay running backs, but teams will do it. <laughs> and uh, no, but I'm looking right here. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently sitting around 16.4 million dollars in cap space left. So there you go, Tampa. I, they got they got just enough if they want to get it done. If they if they truly want to go all in and win a Super Bowl, um, I'm not sold on their defense yet, but that's a different story. That offense might put up 60 points a game. So who knows? That that would be that would be wild. But another team that I'm thinking of um, that could really use a running back, but I don't. I I think it's nearly impossible that they'd get a, a deal done, a trade because they have no assets. Is the LA Rams? Rams, you know, they get rid of Todd Gurley, yeah. but dude, they they gave up pretty much everything to win that. They Super have Bowl. nothing, so they have nothing to trade. But you know, maybe maybe if you know when Kamara, if if he becomes a free agent, that could be a team to look for. I mean, you know, maybe they maybe they learn from their mistake paying Todd Gurley, but I don't know. Maybe they really love uh, <laughs> Alvin Kamara. Imagine, there. Can you imagine if they were the ones to somehow end up? with Camara, they give him a boatload of money and, and then, that one doesn't work out too all of a sudden his production just goes down oh, uh, i mean I obviously bad. i don't i don't wish that for alvin Camara, but the right. hilarious and irony in that would be that would be incredible um <laughs> now one one it's incredible that he could end up in tampa bay do i think that the saints are going to be stupid enough to trade him there no um i, I think but, I, I will say this i think the the saints they know that they don't have much left with Drew Brees, maybe one, exactly. maybe two years. Why trade arguably one of your best players right now when you could try to win a Super Bowl and just, you know, go all in? Because they signed Emmanuel Sanders. They have Michael Thomas. They have a, a very solid defense. I mean, they, they have the pieces. They just, past two years, they've been heartbreakers in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't think he gets moved. Uh, I think eventually they all get a deal done. I think it should be at least what Todd Gurley got a few years ago. It should be at least a base of 15 because I think he's his production has been better than Todd Gurley's was in terms of both running and passing game. Fun fact, he's had three consecutive years of exactly 81 receptions. So that was a weird that. stat. That's that, very strange. It's kind of like yeah. Illuminati sort of thing. Maybe he sold his soul. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to get moved. I don't think he should. Maybe he will if they just get blown away with a deal, uh, like a Jamal Adams type of return, but mm. I, I don't think so. Um, so, I don't know. We, maybe we could put that to bed unless the, the rumors start ramping up here. But before uh, we kind of end this year, right in between our little, our little intermission there, I did see uh, our good friend Matt Verderame tweet out. Uh, I knew you were going to bring you this see up. That? Yes, did I you saw see that? it. He, yes. uh, so he's a big Chiefs guy, and he says, my understanding is the Chiefs have potential interest in Leonard Fournette now that he has cleared waivers. Of course, right after our segment is over, this comes up, but uh, he, he says the money that would need uh, – the money would need to be right, and he'd uh, be backing up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who they just drafted, um, who has impressed considerably in training camp this year. So that would be interesting, adding Leonard Fournette to that offense. I mean, yes, he gets hurt a lot, but he's got the talent. You know, the funny thing is that, you know, when a good team signs, you know, a solid player who, you know, has had his ups and downs, it all, it all of a sudden becomes – a humongous deal. Uh-huh. But if Leonard Fournette were to go to a middling team who's kind of on the brink right now. Washington. Um, yeah, something like that where, you know, it's a team that might not be in the playoffs, but, you know, possibly could be improve. Mm-hmm. It's treated as nothing. Right. If the Chiefs sign Leonard Fournette, everybody on Twitter is going to lose their fucking <laughs> minds. They're going to go bonkers. Come on, you wouldn't want to see – you wouldn't want to see – uh, Fournette working with Big Red Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Come on now. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a solid pairing, but in terms of their style of play, I don't. Now I will say this: Leonard Fournette's receiving production was great last year. That's something that he doesn't get enough credit for. So in that offense, I mean, theoretically, with him and Edwards Alaire, it could be an interesting pairing. Hoping that it doesn't happen because I want to see my guys win one more bowl before mm-hmm. Big Ben calls it a day. Um, now, I'm not saying that, you know, the addition of Leonard Fournette's going to make or break the Chiefs as a Super Bowl <laughs> team. But, um, 
It would it would be fun. Are we are we really surprised, right? I mean, I feel like it's every year where whoever the top dog is and you know, some guy becomes a free agent late in camp, mm-hmm. they'll emerge, it'll become a story that, oh my god, what if they add this guy too? And then I think we play this game of cat and mouse every year. So I don't think he'll end up in Kansas City. Um he could. I mean, if he, he, he wants to be with, you know, uh, the clear front runner as the best team in the league, then, you know, good for him. I'm not going to blame him for that. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think maybe – we didn't talk about this. A team like maybe Atlanta for Leonard Fournette. You know, you know Todd Gurley there. Leonard option, Fournette. yeah. Yeah, so I think that that could be, you know, that would be the best running back tandem of 2017. <laughs> yeah, um, right. <laughs> so – uh, I think that that could be something to look at um, in terms of giving Matt Ryan some help. We'll see. Obviously, Matt Verderam, our guy. Yeah, there there will be um, – there's going to be a lot of, you know, bigger names that will get cut because final cuts are this Saturday. Uh, teams have to get down to their final rosters this Saturday at 4 o'clock. So, we'll probably have some more names like a Leonard Fournette. Oh, yeah. Where is this guy going to end up? So. Uh, unfortunately, I will be camping this Saturday with no service, so I will have a big <laughs> surprise when I come back to to reality here. So, um, but next week we'll have a lot to talk about because next week we are inching ever so closely to football. I hope to God that the Bills do something just ginormous on Saturday, <laughs> and I will have just... if if something like something like a Stefan Diggs trade happened while I was gone. <laughs> I would I would, wouldn't know what to do if I came back. I think I came back in a different dimension. So yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it's good if something big happens. But uh, I don't I don't I don't expect anything huge to happen for the Bills cut wise. I think it's kind of you know pretty cut and dry. What's pun intended? What's uh, going to be coming <laughs> this Saturday? So we got some good stuff to talk about, and uh, the season is right around the corner. A week from Thursday, we will get the Chiefs and the Texans and the grudge match of the divisional round to kick off the 2020 NFL season with fans in Arrowhead. Yes, so sir. There are. We, we've got – we're nine days away. You know, through all the horridity that this year has been, we've made it this far. Football is all systems go. And that's all that really matters right now. So <laughs> – we won't talk well, about Madden. That's, that's, that's a negative subject. We don't want to end the show on a negative subject. That is correct. So um, um, when will you be back? We can maybe try to sneak in a show before Thursday. Oh, yeah. I'll be back, I'll be back Monday. So, you know, I'll Perfect. Be, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about, and I will be right by your side, my friend. We can have some great, great football talk to get you guys ready for the season. Um, and we really appreciate everybody listening, you know, through this offseason. It hasn't been easy. This has been – one of the craziest years of my whole life. So mm. um, props to everybody that's, that's, you know, supported us on Twitter and on listen to our podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, we are, we are dumb sometimes, but you know, we have a good time on the show. So yes, next week uh, we will start our big three, which we will pick three games that we are very confident in each week of the NFL season uh, to pick. So each bills, of our big three. Bills will probably always be on my list. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. the Bills will always be in Kurt's list. So our big three next week, we'll preview week one. Yes, we will preview week one. We yes. have made it, and I'm very excited about it. Very excited to be going through the course of this NFL season with you, my friend. Yes, sir. Our first – this is our first full season together. I think we kind it of started is. podcast, you know, a couple weeks last in last October, year, so. I think. So, I mean, we're approaching so, a year together. Let's do it. Let's let's have a good season. Uh, we we can't thank Dan, Dan Lobby enough for coming on the show, talking Browns with us. And uh, that's all from me. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Kurt, K-U-R-T, Homiser, H-A-U-M-E-S-S-E-R-88. Uh, hit me up there and we'll have some fun. All right, follow me, Jay Bailey, NFL. Two Steelers articles every week. One just released today, offensive depth chart projections on Pro Football Network. So head over there, bookmark my profile for all your Steelers news. Awesome. All right, That's buddy. all I've got for you, too. So we'll good show, my guy. Have, Have fun camping, one, my guy. Take See care. Ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.